So right now, um, I need to confess, I'm feeling really, really super vulnerable at the moment. Um, so this is my story, this is my testimony of my story of intimacy with God and I've never really fully spoken to it about to, 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 to anyone before and I don't like talking about myself. I would feel much more comfortable having a conversation with you guys, learning about your story rather than sharing mine. It just makes me feel really icky. Um, and also, this comes with a bit of a warning, I'm not soppy or a romantic person particularly, as probably agree to, um, but God is the creator of love and affection and demonstrations and display sort of love. And he wanted me to know about his love and how he wanted to love me and how he wanted to create um, me to relate to him. So I'm telling you my story of how that all sort of came about because really it's God's story of intimacy and his desire for us and how he wants to pursue this intimacy with us as his children and us as his bride. <coughs> Okay, so I hope that my story adds to your story. We've all got our own stories. We've all got our own unique ways of how God communicates with us. I apologise in advance because, yes, God calls me darling, sweetheart, lovey, and all of that sort of stuff, and that might come out. And we also have references to poop. Lots of poop. Because circumstances in life sometimes, there's lots of poop. And so, you know, God helps me to see the funny side of things when I need to lighten up, when it gets all a bit serious. So, I'm going to give you a whistle-stop of my backstory. So, age five, I started going to a church, England church with my mum. Seven, age seven, I made the prayer and became a Christian, and then I prayed the prayer every night because I didn't know any other prayers, just to make sure that it worked, that I was God's lovely child, and he was my best friend, and I'd allowed him to come into my heart, and, and all of that. That was my understanding. So at age 12, I stopped going to church because it wasn't cool, and I didn't want to have to wear my Laura Ashley dresses to church anymore, <laughs> uh, which was what I had to wear. Anyway, so um, age 14, I started going to another church. This was my cousin's church that she went to in Dartford. And I went away to a youth camp, and I got baptised in the Holy Spirit, and it was the most amazing experience. Not the most ever, but it was a really amazing experience. I got, they called people to the front. I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. I, went, I fell on the floor, goodness knows why that happened. I didn't understand anything about all of that at the time. But all I just knew was that I was God's and that he loved me and nothing was going to change that, no matter what. And it was, it was a real sort of intense but serious moment at the age of 14, as much as you can understand that. Um, anyway, so six months later, I completely backslid for six years, completely did my own thing, walked away from God completely... I didn't disbelieve, but I, I said to myself, I can't follow those rules. Because uh, at the time, that was my understanding. It felt like a whole load of rules. So uh, I was 19, and I wasn't in such good circumstances at the time. It was a little bit um, awful, uh, if I say the least. And so I prayed to God that if he could get me out in one piece, I would follow his rules um, and because if it was true, if what God was saying was true and everything he did was true, it demands a response. So I agreed, you know, get me out of this and, and I will follow you. So I head back to church, recommitted my life, and for a period of time, stupidly, I tried to live in both camps. Doesn't work, it's like sitting on a fence. It's very uncomfortable to sit on a fence, you get splinters in your bottom. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> sorry, I did warn you. <laughs> so I, <laughs> 
1996, there was this move of God, uh, the, the Toronto blessing or, or whatever they called it. Anyway, and that was when I walked back into church. And so every prayer that was prayed at the time seemed to be asking God for bigger revelations of his father heart, intimacy, connection, and all of that. So I would pray all these really amazing prayers. Hang on. So I'd be praying like, yeah, I'm all yours. You can have everything you want. I love you so much. I surrender everything. You can have it all. I love you. You're you're worthy. You're amazing. You know, you can have it all. I'm all yours, 100%. And then during worship, um, God said to me one time, don't you ever for a single second think that you can love me more than I love you, or you can give or sacrifice better than me. And I had that song, do you know that song, anything you can do, I can do better. No, you can't, yes again, no, you can't, yes again. And, uh, and I had this song, and although that sounds like that's a real harsh sort of voice of God, but it, it wasn't. And as God said it, I saw this like really cheeky, infectious, captivating grin on his face. And he was like, you know, anything you can do, you think you can love me? Oh, I can love you better. You think you can sing a lovely song to me? I've got an even better song over you. And it was this sort of flavour in my relationship that was developing. So it felt like game on. Right, so anything I did, said, believed, prayed, whatever. And God was itching to show me how much more he could do. Mm. And um, so I was kind of stunned in that moment to silence, although it's obvious, you know, we can only love God because he loves us first, and of course he can do everything better, he's the creator of the universe. It was sort of an invitation to, like, okay, let's see this stuff then, you know, let's, let's go deeper with this. And, and every song that I sung and every prayer that I prayed, I could hear God saying, yeah, well, I love you even more, yeah, well, I want to know you even more. And, well, you do kind things for me. You give me your attention. You serve me. But just remember, you can't do it better than me. And I want to give you loads of things and give you my attention and help you and bless you. And remember, you can't outlove me, outgive me, or do anything better or bigger than me. And so this wasn't to make me feel feeble that, you know, I was never going to be, you know, sufficient enough for God. It was just God just so wanting to demonstrate his generosity, his kindness, his desire and his affection. So this became like a trellis for me to sort of grow in my Christian walk and build my life on. So a little bit random, but it does have a point. Okay, I'm going to tell you a funny story. So when I was at this um, Church of England church, there was a youth group and they went away for this camp and I wasn't quite old enough, but they did invite me to go so it was their fault. Um, so I'm away in this youth group, and they're talking about relationships and dating and stuff like that. And we're having this conversation. Clearly, I did not understand what they were talking about because they were saying, you know, how far should you go on a date? So me being, you know, like Miss Goody Two Shoes, put my hand up, and they said, yes, Joanne, you know, how far? I said, oh, Bexley Hay from that. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and they did that, and they were laughing, and I'm thinking. Did I say Bexley Heath wrong? <laughs> anyway, I do get the point now. Um, but, you know, that was a question that God proposed to me. It's like, so how far do you want to go with this? How far do you want to go with this journey of intimacy and this relationship? How well do you want to know me and love me? Okay, so I just want to pose that question to you right now. Or, you know, I ask that, that question to myself again. So... God's saying, God's asking, how much will you let me love you? How intimately will you let me know you? 
and how close will you let me come to you? Right. Is that the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so these were the questions, and this is where it was going. And so we're going on this journey of, okay, so what does this mean? What's this going to look like in everyday life? And it's like, okay, well, how far do you want to go? How, how, how much do you want to know me? You know, and obviously we know that God knows everything about us. He can see it. We can't hide it. As much as we try, we can't hide it. But how much are we willing to acknowledge that God sees it all and yet still chooses to love us, still chooses to like us, still chooses to come close, still chooses to accept us and still chooses to pursue us despite what some of the things he might see, you know? Okay, so next came the outworking of all of this, and this is where the road for me started to get a little bit rocky. Okay, so at that time um, in church, we were doing this 40 days prayer and fasting. I can't really remember what it was about. I don't know, it was some big prophetic word. I don't, you'll probably remember, Tim, a big prophetic word we had in New Frontiers at the time about prayer and fasting. And anyway, so what I did. I thought, right, okay, game on, let's do this. Um, so I come straight home from work, straight up to my bedroom and spent time with God. And God told me to read Song of Songs and Psalms and to just be. I don't know, we probably had a whole list of things we're supposed to be praying about, but I didn't get that far. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I looked at Song of Songs and it is weird. <laughs> it's really weird in places. Um, so I agreed to read it because I'd seen this book and I bought this book on Spurgeon, you know, the 1800 preacher. Was he in the 1800s, 1900s? I don't know. Old guy. Anyway, so he had all these sermons on. And so I thought, right, okay, so it's got to be okay if he's done these sermons on song songs. I've read the first one and that's as far as I've got. It's still on the bookshelf, but I will get round to it. Okay, so I've started reading Song of Songs. And this is, I'm going to share with you some verses that really kind of rocked my world um, I apologise in advance as well because sometimes this happens right? when God reveals something that's just really like deeply from his heart that's like a truth and it's really, I do this weird thing I cry and laugh at the same time so if that happens I apologise for that Okay. so this verse in Song of Songs says show me your face let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And I really struggled with this, because at that time, I was really struggling with um, like a low self-esteem, my physical appearance, you know, and just like, God, do you want to see my face? I don't like my face, you know. And all of this sort of stuff was going on. So I had to resolve at the time and just agree, well, I don't like me. You know, I feel guilty and ashamed still, still working things out as a new Christian for my past, but that's how God feels, that's his choice, and I've just got to learn to let him do it. But it wasn't that easy. Um, and another thing, um, another verse that, uh, that was in Song of Songs that God really spoke to me about was, you are altogether beautiful, my darling, there is no flaw in you. And my thoughts are, well, well that's not true, is it? It's like, there's definitely flaws, you know, and I listed them off. It's like, there's this, 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 to God, in case he had forgotten. And uh, there's also, um, so in Psalm 18, David says, oh, I was going to read that bit. 
Oh, it's not there. Okay, right. So this is the story where David says, you know, like, uh, you know, see if there's any way in me. You know, I've followed all your ways. I'm, I'm flawless. I'm perfect. I've done all this. And um, uh, actually, I am going to read it. We should need to hear it. It's so cool. Two ticks. Right, so if anyone wants to know, it's in Psalm 18. And it's verse 20 to 24. That's it, right. So, the Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands he's rewarded me. For I've kept the ways of the Lord, I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me, and I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands. And he saw it. And I'm thinking, well, that's not true, David. (laughs) Okay, really? (laughs) You really think that? Okay, so I listed off David's uh, issues. It's like, well, okay. So... (laughs) First of all, he was lazy. He was supposed to have been at war, and he wasn't. He was at home, getting up to mischief. Okay, he was a bit creepy. <laughs> he's on his roof, and he's looking at another lady taking a bath on her roof. Okay, bit creepy. Then he has his way with the lady. Um, don't want to even think about that. Right? Then he's a coward because lady falls pregnant, uh, and he tries to get her husband back from war tries to get them together, you know, so he's like, oh, look, a baby, what a coincidence. Okay, then he gets the guy murdered, <laughs> and he didn't even realise that he was doing something wrong until Nathan the prophet had to point it out to him. So maybe he was a bit arrogant or entitled that, you know, he's king, I can do what I like, I can sit on my roof and look at ladies, you know, and, and all of that. Okay, so I pointed that out to God. <laughs> And God says, well, actually, he can say that about himself. He is blameless, and so are you. So my response was, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Say that again, please. Okay. So in Ephesians, this is one of my favourite verses that I use to remind myself. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Through Jesus, he made it possible for us to be restored uh, to this original intention, holy and blameless. Okay, so there is no flaw among us. Okay, we are flawless. Yes, we still do things wrong, but it is dealt with. And he asks us to be holy and not sin. But if we do, he doesn't hold it against us. That's right. We, on the other hand, have a tendency to hold it against ourselves. Okay? We disqualify ourselves and we separate ourselves because we can't handle the guilt. We hide from God. Just like Adam and Eve did, you know, they tried to hide from God. But we remember that there is no condemnation in Christ, but there often is in our heads. So we need to change something there. Okay, so Adam and Eve's sin did not stop God from coming to them, but it stopped them from going to God. And it works that way, not the other way. So God has restored us to that pre-sin moment where we're holy and blameless, And we can stand confidently Mm. in his presence with dignity. We're dignified, you know. We don't need to disqualify ourselves, you know. It's it's not necessary. We do, and he understands that, you know, we're human. And he helps us through that, but we don't need to. Mm. We're made perfect. 
read that verse, those verses to you again, alright, those song of songs, knowing that you're perfect, I've dropped it on the floor, so God says to you, show me your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that uh, ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom, now those foxes are things like unbelief, when you don't believe, when we don't trust when things get in the way, when we allow sin to, when we disqualify ourselves, you know, from coming to God because we think we're not worthy and, and all of that, okay? And hear him say, you are altogether beautiful, my darling, there is no flaw in you. No flaw. Okay? So, another thing that I then learned was that we have the potential to disappoint God, Okay? Bear with me on this, right? So another song from Song of Songs, right? It says, You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your wine, uh, your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine. And the fragrance of your perfume more pleasing than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. You know, that song that we just sung, mm. you know, your name is like honey on my lips. God's singing that over us. Our name is like honey on his lips. Amen. So God said to me, did you know I can get disappointed? Did you know that you can affect me? What? Okay, this is the God of the universe. Okay. So when we love someone, we place a lot of power in their hands. We place a lot of potential for them to hurt and disappoint us. That's what love is. Love is a risk, isn't it? Love is built on trust. Love is taking a chance. So God has chosen to make himself vulnerable to us. Okay? He desires us and he desires our affection. He desires our attention. He desires um, us to make gifts to him, sacrifices, you know, our finances and our time and, uh, and all of that sort of stuff. He wants things, right? So what do you think will happen if he doesn't get what he wants or what he's looking forward to? Because he's really looking forward. So he looks forward to our attention. He looks forward to spending time with us. So how do you think he feels when he doesn't get it? And, you know, he was explaining this to me, not to make me feel bad, but to show me how much he wants us. So he's going to be gutted. You know, when you've, when you've arranged to either meet up with a friend or you go out on a date or you've got <coughs> an event that you're going to meet up with people, you look forward to it, and then when it doesn't happen, you're gutted. If he wasn't gutted, you wouldn't be caring about those people. It wouldn't mean anything to you. So, you know, when God doesn't get what he wants from us, our attention and our time and our love and our affection, it gets a bit gutted. So... You know, please don't, and I've said this before, but please don't think that that's like a heavy statement. It's not, it's just God just showing you, it's like, okay. I'm really looking forward to hanging out with her when she wakes up in the morning or when she gets home from work, you know, when she's got specifically time. And then when he doesn't get it, it's like, oh, you know, it's, if, he, if he didn't, it would mean that he doesn't care. He's not interested. And he is. Hmm. 
Anyway, so on this journey of um, getting to know, getting closer to God and learning to trust him, learning to trust that he is who he says he is, he's done what he said he's done and everything he says is true, you know, you have to learn to surrender and you have to learn to give up things and trust him in things, in circumstances that, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I can be a bit of a control freak. I like to control things, I know it's done. Um, and trusting, you know, was, was a bit of an issue. And so I had to really let go of things. And we, you know, we, we were singing about that today as well, about surrendering, you know, we need to surrender to him, to put our full trust in him and, you know, that's part of love, isn't it? When you love someone, you're trusting them. You're trusting them with your heart. You're trusting them with the things that are valuable, that are precious to you. And that's what we need to do. He's trusting us with his heart, making himself vulnerable. And we trust him with all the details of our life. The big details, the little details, the ugly details, the good details, everything. We just need to lay it all down and to trust him. So anyway, so this really getting to... Um, God was, it was getting tricky because then questions started coming up and I'm thinking, right, oh, okay, if you really love me like that, if your presence is, you know, always with me and if this is like truly what you're saying, you're, where was you when this happened or when I had to walk through this? And, and I had all these questions and doubts and things like that that were going through my head and with this confusion in my head, God asked me to ask him, like the details, where was you? And he said, well, ask me. Ask me what, you know, what was I thinking? What was I feeling when you walked through those circumstances when X, Y, Z happened? And I didn't want to because I was building this wonderful, amazing picture of God and, you know, this, this relationship and this security and this, it's like beautiful place. And I didn't want to ruin it in case like, I didn't get an answer that was tallied up with all of that. Because it was, you know, this is some ugly stuff. And anyway, so, okay. So I asked him. And he wanted me, um, one, two ticks. So these painful questions. And I asked and I said, and he said, it's okay to get angry with me. I'm not insecure, I can take it. So he didn't want me to come all like, okay, I've got it all sussed. It's like... Okay, this circumstance went on here, but hey, praise the Lord, everything's really good. Because it wasn't. And so he said, look, look, just come with all the poop. And just like, if you get angry, you get angry. Just, just go for it. Just do it. So I did. Where the hell were you? <laughs> you know, what was you thinking? <laughs> what on earth was you doing? And stuff like that. I had permission. And, and, you know. and then he asked me to do something on the back of that. He said, you need to go and talk to your parents. You need to go and tell you parents and you know that's an, that's another whole story where he just said I didn't have a particularly great relationship with my dad as a child teenager growing up but he um, specifically spoke to me about working on that and healing and there's some amazing stories I've got about my dad and he said you need to watch your dad watch his response anyway so I told the story and my dad sobbed he just sobbed and then with that I just had this whole download of like you know I was there this is how I protected you, you know, could have been a whole lot worse, but it wasn't, you know, and, and this is how it affected me, and this is how I feel about it, this is how I feel about you, so this whole 
you know, that's really personal stuff, so I'm not going to go there. But the point of it was that God was saying to never be afraid to question him. If there's things you don't understand that's causing you trouble, to doubt him, or things in life that are scaring you, unless you know his response, you won't be free from the torment of, you know, that particular event. Um, the enemy will use it against you, and your head will go round and round in circles, and it will stress you out. So ask me anything, he says. Okay. Okay. So I've asked God a lot of questions, and I've not always got a response every time, like particularly hearing what he's got to say, or giving me a picture or some sort of, I don't know, vision to sort of go in my head to think, okay, this is what it looks like, this is what it looks like in life, and this is how God's going to help me. So I've not always got a response like that, um, an answer, but I've always had a response from God. You know, that peace that transcends all understanding, that you just can't put your finger on it. It's like, okay, I should be really panicking right now, but I'm not. Okay, that feels weird. That's that peace that transcends all understanding. So it affected my core belief, all of this stuff that I believe about God and challenges my mind when my mindset doesn't align. And Okay, so today I've got this sort of special set of lenses now which I view the world and all the events that I find myself having to walk through still. And this set of lenses, you know, you put on to read the Bible. When you read the Bible, you know when you get those verses and you think, oh, I don't really understand that. But that doesn't really put you in a good light, God, because it sounds awful. You know, Old Testament stuff as well. But when you read that with the lenses of love, it's got a completely different meaning. Um, so... Life is not perfect, and I've had moments where I've questioned God and where it's felt like, Lord, do you even like me right now? I don't know, have you ever had those moments when there's so much poop hitting the fan? It's like, come on, God. It feels like you don't even like me right now. But he reminds me to remind myself, you know, and go to this place in this <coughs> precious relationship of intimacy. That's how he feels. That's how he loves us. That's how it encourages. So the bottom line is I remind myself with Holy Spirit that he's always good. He cares deeply about the details. He always wants to see me, hear from me, and spend time with me. Okay? <laughs> but there's another but. Okay? <laughs> but then my life was really getting difficult, and the poop was really hitting the fan. I said to God, right, God, I don't want these fluffy connection times with you when I'm spending time with you, like... Okay, I was cross, okay, and he was okay, I didn't mean to be rude, but he was okay with that. So I'm saying to him, look, I don't want all this nice fluffy stuff of like, yeah, you love me, yeah, you want to be intimate, yeah, you care about the details, yeah, you know, all of these. And those moments that you get when like you're in worship or someone's praying for you or in a meeting and you get that, wow, God's so good, it's so lovely. It's like, I wanted those moments right when the poop was hitting the fan and there's sheer pandemonium, and someone's done something so bad to you that you just want to get a load of that poop and just shove it right in their face. <laughs> Sorry, that's gross, I know. <laughs> you're a couple of hours before dinner, you're fine. Okay? So I wanted that piece right in the middle of a poop storm. And when it's so stressful and so painful and so scary, and you are so exhausted. So at that moment, that was at my kitchen sink. I didn't hear anything back from God then. But I know that he heard me, and I know that he knew what I needed. And the thing is, is 
that God didn't need to do anything else other than what he's already done. You can't add to how much he loves you, and you can't add to how much he cares for you, and you can't increase how much he's there already in every circumstance. He's given us everything. And the restriction is on our part. It's in our core belief system. It's in our worldview, how we interpret the Bible, life and events, and people events, and past, present and future. It's the restrictions on our part. It's not on his, Amen. ever. And the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, to renew our mind, we need a new mindset and belief. And that's something that we need to do. Obviously, we do it with the Holy Spirit, but it's something that we need to do. God created the truth, and we need to believe it and apply it and practice it. So when doubt comes, or life comes to steal our peace and unconvince us of the truth, are we wearing the, oh God, I can't see you glasses, where are you? This is horrible. Or are we wearing, ah, there you are. It's really crappy right now. But you're here and it's going to be okay. <coughs> Excuse me. So when we truly know how much God loves us and enjoys us and wants us and needs us, it changes us at the very core. When we truly know it and we truly believe it and we can apply it to all situations in life, you know, health stuff, work stuff, family stuff, you know, when we can know God's presence and his desire for intimacy and connection in a poop storm, okay, it's, it's going to change stuff. It's going to change how we, we think and how it's going to change our behaviour. It's going to change our responses. It's going to change absolutely everything. And it's going to change, you know, how much we trust him. When we believe it, it's really, really true. It changes how much we trust him. And when we trust him that deeply... We can do amazing things. Amen. You know, we can walk through poop storms and not get any of it on us. <laughs> and, you know, so love motivates us, doesn't it? Love casts out fear. Love provides safety. Love strengthens and gives courage. Love enables us to look down at the barrel of that gun that's pointed at your face when in those scary moments. And his love enables us to disarm it and put it into perspective under God's protective. He's, he's violently protective over us, Amen. you know, so we can be brave. But whatever gun is pointing at our face, whatever life is pointing at us, we can look straight down that barrel, 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 and not be scared because of his amazing love for us. So I just want to give, I mean... You know, this is, uh, intimacy is, is our individual journeys, isn't it? And I want to encourage you that if any of that's like spoken to you and if any of those questions like you need to ask him, where was you? What on earth were you thinking? You know, at least tell me something of what you were thinking during that time. Or, you know, have difficulty surrendering or difficulty believing that you're flawless. You're absolutely flawless and he loves your face and he loves your voice and he wants to see you and hang out with you and be with you all the time and you know doesn't want you to hide anything and just be fully in the open you know and have one of those moments where you just know that Jesus is right in front of you and his eyes are all over you everywhere and you're not afraid and you're not scared and you know that he's going to just keep on loving you and there's no there's no fear there's no condemnation so you know 
just want to encourage you to, to explore that with God so that you've got even more stuff to add to your story, you know, your relationship with God, in your flavour, in your language that he speaks to you. You know, he speaks your language so that you can relate and you understand each other. And so, can I just pray? Is that yes. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you, that your desire is for us. Thank you that we bring you pleasure. Thank you that we bring a smile upon your face. Thank you that you dance and sing over us. Thank you that we delight your heart. Thank you that we bring joy. Thank you that we make you laugh and chuckle and giggle. Thank you that you feel excitement in your heart when you look at us, when you look at our lives. Thank you that we walk with you so intimately. And Father, we want more intimacy and we know that the restriction's not on your part, but it's on our part. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would make us aware of areas that we are holding back disqualifying ourselves and restricting ourselves and where there's unbelief or you know we almost think it's too good to be true holy spirit i just ask that you would highlight those areas and that you would help us remove those little foxes that are ruining the vineyard so that we can enjoy this amazing relationship that you created us to have with you that garden of Eden in complete perfection mm. with no barriers and no hindrances and nothing to hide from yes. and no shame and no fear. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us remove those things. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would cause us to be brave and take those steps towards you and to lean on you and to surrender absolutely everything in our lives to you and to trust you fully. Thank you that your heart is for us and you care about every single detail. And I thank you that even those things that we find really difficult, that's going to be really hard for us to do, I thank you, Holy Spirit, <coughs> that you don't give up on us and that you will speak to us and that you will encourage us and you will challenge us and you will inspire us and you will give us everything that we need. I thank you that everything is finished and that you have given us yourself to the full. And I thank you that... The outworking of that is us stepping closer to you, Thank you. and us being able to enjoy you more. Thank you that you have enjoyed us today, and we've enjoyed you. We enjoy your presence. We love you. Amen. You are amazing, and you've captivated our hearts. And it's such a mind-blowing thought that we have captivated yours. Thank you. Amen. Amen.